Today we're moving into part two of our series, The Spirit of Excellence. The Spirit of Excellence. And just in case you, uh, you were not here last week, uh, I launched this, this series by invoking the spirit of excellence. We, we had some wonderful time of just worship. My friend was here with me. Uh, from Zimbabwe, and we just took some time to worship and to minister. But the whole point was to to just desire the spirit of excellence. And I really believe that God stirred some stuff inside of us. And I'm hoping that we will not go back to same old, same old, and just like, well, it was another service. Because throughout this series, what I'm hoping to do is to build principle upon principle, line upon line, and, and just explain and express God's desire for you to be excellent in everything that you do. God wants you to be excellent. He wants you to, to uh, represent him accurately. The Bible says of Jesus when he came uh, on earth that he was the exact representation of the Father. And that is the spirit of excellence. When we say we, we are representing God and so we cannot just do things half-heartedly. We need to accurately represent him. And so I really encourage you uh, to open your hearts and to pursue the spirit of excellence uh, as we unpack the series. We said last week that the spirit of excellence, uh, that excellence is a spirit. Excellence is a spirit and it's not a skill. Excellence is a spirit and not a skill. Because many of us think that excellence is something that I need to go and be trained in the sense of, you know, do things better. I understand there's training involved. There are those things that we need to do uh, to get ourselves ready. But the, the real deal here is the spirit of excellence. The Bible says of, uh, of Daniel in Daniel chapter number 6 and verse 3, the Bible says this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was upon him. He didn't distinguish himself because he had a high-level education. And I've got nothing against education. We must get good education. But, but he did not distinguish himself by the level of his education. He did not distinguish himself by the gifts that he carried. He distinguished himself through the spirit of excellence, because you can be highly educated and, and, and fail to please God or function in, uh, in the spirit of excellence, and yet you are highly educated. It's not about uh, skill, it's about a spirit. And we spoke last week and we said when the spirit of excellence comes upon you, everything in your life changes. Everything changes. You, you, all of a sudden, you start doing things with extra caution and care. Because the spirit of excellence is upon you. We said when the spirit of excellence is upon you, uh, if you're an usher, you, you, suddenly you begin to, uh, to go the extra mile. You, you, you get up early, you, you prepare yourself, you iron your clothes so that you can usher people into the presence of God in an excellent way. So the spirit of excellence is what we're talking about. It is a spirit and not just a skill. Okay, what's happening? All right. So I wanna I wanna go a little bit deeper today as we begin to build on this um, on this series of the spirit of excellence by challenging you 
to distinguish yourself. I say this last week, but I want to challenge you. Every week, I want to challenge you to distinguish yourself. I hope some of you took the challenge serious last week and you did something a little bit better this week, that if you are employed, your boss kind of noticed something different about you because you set your mind to be excellent in what you do. If you used to abuse uh, company uh, uh, phone and resources and things like that, I hope this past week, you just kind of said, I am going to be excellent because God is watching what no one else is watching. He's looking at what's happening in your heart. And that is what is going to distinguish you above everybody else. So the spirit of excellence has to come upon us. I am no longer, I am no longer going to apologize for wanting to be the best. Because remember we said, the spirit of excellence is going to be revealed or the more excellent ways of God are going to be revealed to you when you pursue, when you pursue, uh, uh, rather when, when, when you desire to be the best in what you do. You cannot see the excellent ways of God if you don't desire to be the best. The moment there is an inward desire to be the best in whatever God wants you to do or whatever God has called you to do, then you will begin to pursue the, the more excellent ways. I want to be, be the best preacher in my generation. And that's not, comp that's not competition because when we hear best and things like this, suddenly we begin to compete. But God said the standard was never somebody else. You were the standard and you are the standard. So when we speak of excellence, it's not comparing and competing with somebody else. Because the moment you begin to compare, you are going to compete. So when I say I want to be the best preacher, I am not comparing myself to any other preacher. I am not comparing myself to any other minister. I am just going to be the best preacher God made me to be. And I will be the best in my generation. But for too long, the church is apologizing for, for wanting to be the best. We apologize. And like, no, now we have to be humble. Humility has got nothing to do with desiring to be the best. You can be at the top of your, of your game and be humble. You see, so, some of what we call humility is just, we're just cowards. We, we're not wanting to step up. And do what God has called us to do. Like, ah, I just, I'm just content. No, be the best. And I said, it doesn't matter what you're called to do. If you are the caretaker and you're cleaning toilets and things like that, do it to the best of your ability. That's the spirit of excellence. So the spirit of excellence is, is going to uh, distinguish us from the rest. But it is not competitive. So I, I put it up this way. The spirit of excellence is uh, distinctive but not competitive. Because when we say I want to be the best, people think, oh, here comes a downfall. Oh, pride is coming in now. No. Be the best because God wants you to be the best. Be the best and remain humble. Not a problem. All right. This brings me to the main point, my main message um, today I want to talk about discovering excellence, discovering the excellence that is within. Discovering the excellence that is within. The excellence that we're talking about is inside of you. 
It's already inside of you. God fearfully and wonderfully made you. And, and, and he made sure that you have everything you require to be excellent. So excellence is inside of you. You don't have to be looking or chasing for excellence from the things outside of you. We're not looking outside for excellence. We're looking inside. The spirit of, of Christ that is in us will produce excellence in our lives. I want to read a portion of scripture, familiar portion of scripture, but I want you to, 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 to hear what the spirit is saying through the scripture. I'm going to highlight a few things that maybe you have never thought of them that way. So don't switch off because you've heard about the talents many times. Matthew chapter number 25 and verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. He called his servants. You and I are called to be the servants of the Most High. So the, the, the call for us to come out tonight to, to, to be trained and to discover where we can serve in the house is not a word of truth call. It's a God-given call. God has called you to be his servant. If you're not serving, it's simply because you are hardening in your heart towards what God has called you to do. You're already called. Like, I don't know what I'm called to do. No, he called you to serve. Start there. Pastor, I don't know what I'm called to do. You're called to serve. Start serving somewhere and you'll discover purpose while you're serving him. Way too many people are spending time in a locker, in a prayer room, in a closet, trying to find the will and the purposes of God. And God is saying, just serve me. And you will discover purposes you serve me. I hope that encourages you to turn out tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, who called his own servants. You don't call someone servants, he called his own servants. And I can tell you now, I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you that now that his servants will show up tonight. I can tell you. I, I, if, if I've pastored this church for a, a, a long time, and I know that there are some people that are just like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Just ignore that part of the service. I know that. But those are not called to serve him. Those who are called to serve him have heard the call. And I know they will show up. There are some people that even, even, even if they are not sitting here, if they get the message later, I know they will show up because they are his servants. They have dedicated their lives to serve the Lord. And yet there are some people that are like, well, move on, pastor. We, 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 we just, we just want to hear what's coming next because you are not his own servants. You are still serving other things. But his servants will hear the call. So he called his own servants. And to one he gave five talents. To another he gave two. To another he gave uh, one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went um, on a journey. Then, when, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. So 
He who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy. I love that. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I wish I had time to just I trek and talk about the joy of the Lord and how you enter into the joy of the Lord. But anyway, enter into the joy of the Lord. Then, verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew, uh, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look. Ah, <laughs> uh, help us, Jesus. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You know, I have to sidetrack a little bit because some people, when we talk about New Testament theology and we see the grace of the Lord, we think that the Lord is just like, ah, oh, it's okay, I understand. Why didn't Jesus say, I understand I know you've got, you've got, I know you've got a few excuses, I understand. This is Jesus himself speaking. He's like wicked. You know, you know, when, when, when your friends call you wicked, you can like, ah, well, God calls me his own. He calls me righteous. Because when people call you wicked, God will always call you righteous. But when he himself says wicked... He says, like, you wicked, not only are you wicked, you are lazy. God understands I work hard. Have you ever gone to work on a Monday when you're supposed to work and you kind of rock up at, like, quarter to four, just like it's nearly, you know, knock off time, and you're like, my boss understands. No, we don't do that. We, we, we don't do that. No, 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 no. My boss does not understand. Even though you have made so much money for the company, but he does not understand. But for some reason, when it comes to God, he understands. Oh, no, God understands. Pastor, you know, Sunday is my only day off. Now you are saying we must come tonight. Like once a month, your once a month at night, just come out tonight. Oh no, oh pastor, you don't you don't understand. You don't understand. I've got a hard week. How how about how about saying I want to please God and I'm going to go tell my boss tomorrow I I am not coming to work because uh, you know I, I went to church on Sunday. No, you don't do that. You don't even think of it because you know that your boss won't understand. But somehow. Deep down in our hearts, we have convinced ourselves that to be Christian is licensed to be lazy because God's grace is sufficient. Now, now I'm preaching better than you're saying amen because some of you, 
Thank you. Some of you have convinced yourselves that it's okay. God understand. I can be lazy. I can do nothing. I, I, I've been saved for 70 years. And it's okay. God understands if I do nothing. I, I'm not sure that when you stand before him, he's going to say, I understand. He might say, you wicked and lazy servant. I, he, I'm not even going to go to what he says after this because there's a whole lot of theological debate about that. But, but uh, I, I'm still of the opinion that you might make heaven, as Paul says. But, let's say, you lazy servant. I invested so much. I poured out my life for you and expected you to make a difference on the earth. And you are coming to heaven without doing anything, you wicked and lazy servant. Uh, all right. What verse am I on? Verse 26. Verse 27. All right, let's read 26 again. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and you, have, you gather where I have not, I gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, at the very least, I expect a return, a return on my investment. It's like the, the cup that you just partook of. He says, at the very least, you don't have to be a phenomenal Christian. You don't have to be a remarkable servant. But at the very least, there has to be some return. He says, why didn't you at least go to the bankers? And because you knew that when I... When, uh, so, why didn't you deposit my money with the bankers? And at my coming, I would have received back on my, uh, my own interest. So, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given. To everyone who has, more will be given. And he... Uh, uh, sorry, I've lost my place now. To everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And then, then verse 30, the theologians can debate about this. He says, and cast this wicked, lazy, unprofitable servant into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, give us understanding of these scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice, I just have a few points that I want to highlight quickly. I want you to notice from the scripture that God will give you specific talents according to your ability. Each one was given according to his ability. There are some of us, we are praying for things and we're not getting our prayers answered and simply because we don't have the ability to manage what we are asking for. I'm preaching better than I, you are saying amen. I know in the church we want to claim it and receive it, but, but God is saying I am not going to give you stuff that you don't have the ability to manage. 
You are asking God to give you a $20,000 rand job and you are not managing 10,000 rand. You are not faithful with what he has given you and you're saying, God, I need a promotion. And God is saying, I cannot increase if you are not faithful with what you already have. You, you have to develop the ability to manage what God has given you. If we are going to have 5,000 people in this place, we at the very least have to know how to manage 180 people. That's the, that's the way the kingdom of God works. He gives according to your ability. You can pray until you become blue, but if you don't increase your capacity, if you don't increase your ability, God is like, I'm not going to give you this. It will destroy you. Only the devil will give you things that you're not ready to handle because the chief aim of the, of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and destroy you. So if he gives you a Ferrari at age 14 and it's going to end up in your, with your death, he will give it to you. And you're like, oh, I've got my Ferrari and you speed in and you die and he wins. It's like, yeah, that's why I gave it to you. But a good father will say, you are not able to, to control your speed on a bicycle. Why should I give you a Ferrari? Because what you're failing to manage on this level, if we multiply it, it will kill you. Oh God, I want to be a man of influence. I want to be, be out there. If you cannot, if you are not a man of integrity over just your family, if we make you president, it will kill you. It will kill you. Because all that mismanagement is now on a big scale. You know, at least when, 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 when you only had your 100 rand, you're like, hey, I, used, I mismanaged my 100 rand, it's finished. But now what if we give you a billion rand and say you're supposed to run the nation, here is a billion rand. This is, this is your budget. You could not budget over one rand. You could not budget 10 rand. A billion is going to get you confused. It's going to kill you. So God will give you specific talents according to your ability. According to your ability. So God increased my capacity. And how do you do that? You learn to be faithful with what you have. Learn to be faithful with what you have. The Greek word that is used for this word ability is the Greek dunamis. You all know it from the, the power. He says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The same word power is the same word ability, dunamis. And dunamis in the Bible uh, is miraculous power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. So the ability that he's talking about is the ability that comes from him. <laughs> That's good. God is so good. He's like, I want to bless you, but I'm going to first give you the ability to handle the blessing. Ah, it can't get any better than that. 
That's the grace of God. God says, Justin, you, you, don't, you are not able to lead a church. You are not able to lead anyone for that matter. But I am going to put my spirit inside of you. And if you rely on my spirit, that will become the ability to do what I'm asking you to do. So it's never about you. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit that he has invested in you. And we, we've already labored, last week we labored to prove the fact that the Spirit of God is a Spirit of excellence. So if you will allow me uh, this morning, I can substitute and say the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of excellence, gives you the ability to grow, to multiply, and to increase whatever God has given you. It's God's Spirit. And, and, and when God gives the Spirit, He gives without measure. He gives everyone the Spirit. Now, here is what got my attention. God gave, He knew that all three servants, the Master, who's uh, 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 representing God, knew that all three servants had the gift of the Holy Spirit in them. All three servants had what it took or what was required to multiply. All of them. So he then now chooses and he says, well, to this one, I'm just going to give you one. To you, I'm going to give you two. And I'm going to give you five. It's his choice. The spirit that he gave them is the same. And this is what got me. When the one who received two multiplied, he produced two more, like 100%. This is what I did. The one who received five produced five more, 100%. The one who received one, God did not require or ask him to produce four. He did not ask him or expect him to produce ten. He only expected him to produce one more. He only expected him to produce one more. And when they came, God said, the master says to the one who multiplied five and the one who multiplied two, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little, I will give you more. Enter into the joy. He said the exact same thing. He didn't say, Woo, this one, this one is clever. Can you see? This one produced ten. And this one only produced four. No, he said the exact same thing because all he wanted was them to do the best with what he had given them. And that's all that God wants from you. He's not expecting you. You see, the one who had two did not compete with the one who had five. And that's where we get it wrong. Like, oh, well, I am not as gifted as Pastor Justin. I am not gifted as Sister so-and-so. I'm not gifted as that other person. So I'm just going to do a little bit. No, 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 no. God is not going to judge you based on another person's gift. Uh, I'm preaching better than you saying amen. God is not going to judge you based on another person, pe person's gift. He is going to look at the one gift that he gave you. Another might have been given 50 gifts. God expects the one with 50. God bless the one who has been given 50. Because God expects you to use all 50. But if God gave you only one, rejoice that you have the one. Stop, com stop comparing and competing with the one who's got five. Because you don't have five, you only have one. 
But what he is expecting is the same from the one with five, the one with two, the one with one. Do your utmost best to multiply that which I've given you. The spirit of excellence is inside of you. The spirit of God is inside of you. The ability comes from the same Holy Spirit that is upon you. The Holy Spirit, this is, this is, this is how powerful this, this, this understanding is. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. It's not like, oh, Justin has got a different spirit and uh, ready a different spirit and so and so a different spirit. It's like, it's, it's, it's all the same. He says, this, the exact one, not, not a duplicate, the exact same spirit that was in Jesus Christ is also in you. So when he's expecting you to reproduce, to multiply, to produce excellence, he is not asking something that is not inside of you. He is asking of something that is already put inside of you. Like it's already inside of you. Just don't be lazy. That's the problem. I think the one who received one talent because he was lazy, Jesus prophesied over him, you lazy servant. He just kind of like, well, because I'm lazy, I'm going to make excuses. And uh, I, I knew that, that the amens were going to be a little bit silent there. <laughs> because I'm lazy, I will come up with excuses. You know, if, if you don't want to do anything, you will come up with any excuse to make sure that you don't do it. So you said, ah, no, the problem is not me. You see, master, the problem is you. You want to use me. You reap where you have not sown. When you are lazy, you will find fault in the system. You will find fault in the system. Like, nah, this thing does not work. They are using us. And yet there are those who are with an excellent spirit, serving in the same company. They're not complaining about overtime. They're not complaining about being used. They just keep working and keep working and keep producing results. And you sit and you're like, no, you know what? I've discovered the secret to this thing. That they want to use us. So, you know, you just work up until uh, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. And when the boss goes out for a cup of tea, we go back and we sleep. We play cards. We, you know, that kind of stuff. I figured the loopholes. You lazy servant. Don't figure the loopholes. Serve the system. Because that's the spirit of excellence inside of you. So he probably started complaining. Oh God, if only I had four. My goodness me, if you had four, you'd have been even more lazy. You'd have wasted four. Now, if only I had what so-and-so has. You know, excellence is not about what you have or don't have. Excellence is not defined by the things you have, but by your attitude towards the things that you have. I'll say that again. Excellence is not defined by the things you have, but by your attitude towards the things you have. If God gives you one and you've got an excellent attitude, you will multiply one. If God gives you ten and you've got an excellent uh, spirit, you will multiply ten. 
You know, when, when we were looking at, 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 at this stage and, and we started talking about conference and we knew we wanted to give something that is modern, we didn't have the resources. We're still, we're still not there, but God has blessed us from where we started. The very first conference, I looked at the stage, but we used the little that we had and we're like, if we just take this thing here and put it there, and people came in and like, wow. And, and when we tell them what we use, they're like, really? Like, yeah, but that's, that's, that's what we had. That's all we had. When we started designing the, this, this, this design, we're like, you know, buying a, 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 a panel like that, a proper digital uh, uh, LED panel to do that is going to cost us an arm and a leg. And we don't have that. So guess what we said? Like, we will use what we have by string. Can I, can I expose our church online? Buy, buy lights from the China shop. Get a few guys, paint in the brush, paint this thing, do this, and let's make our own. We switch them on. People are like, wow, that looks good. It's using what you have. It's not about what we don't have. We don't have to wait until we break into a thousand-seater church and become a mega church to be excellent. You become excellent with the little that you've got. If God gives you one camera, use the one camera excellently and God will give you another. That's all we have. If I was comparing, I'll be discouraged because I'll just go and switch on the television and see somebody who's putting like serious, serious, serious stage designs and serious cameras and I'm like, let's stop. But you know what, when I get to heaven, God is not going to say, oh, well, you know, you didn't have all those things. He'll say, you lazy, you lazy servant. You could have done it with the string that I gave you. Moses, you can deliver a nation with a stick because a stick is all you have. It's what you have and your attitude towards what you have. The little you have. I started saying to myself this year, and I'm saying it over and over again. I might not have the best education. I might not, I might, I might not be the most eloquent speaker. But I'm saying, God, I want to use the time that you give me to speak to the best of my ability. I want to be a best communicator. And I'm going to use the limited education that I have, the limited vocabulary I have, but I'm going to use it to the best of my ability. And that's what God expects from each and every one of us. He's not asking you, he's not measuring you against somebody else. Because if he was doing that, there are some of you that speak better than I do right here. And I'm already like, oh, no, I must just sit down. And you'll say, you're lazy, servant. So we're not competing, we're not comparing. In fact, the, the secret to not competing is just don't compare. Just focus. You see, when, when you look in, in, in the world of, of sport or the athletes, the, the real pros, they're not worried about what their opponents are doing. They focus on what they, their game plan was and what they wanted to do, and they keep focused. They keep focused. If they run in, say, uh, a race, a uh, 100-meter dash, the guy does not run checking, am I ahead? Uh, is, is he close? The moment he does that, he's defeated. He doesn't, he doesn't even look at, am I two steps ahead or two steps behind? He does not care. All he knows is that I have to run the 
best I can until I get to the end. And yet in the church, we kind of looking, oh, oh, so-and-so didn't come for prayer, so it's okay, I can stay at home also. Oh, ah, the pastor didn't show up, so I can also. And God is like, no man, who made the pastor the standard? He says, run, run your own race. Remain focused. The spirit of excellence is all about maximizing your potential. What God has put inside of you. It's already inside there. Use all of it. All of it. God, I will give you my very best. You can have somebody with uh, um, one shirt serving as an usher and no one ever knows that every Sunday they have to wash the same shirt and iron it and come and, and, and serve you with a smile. No one will notice that because they see the excellent spirit. Only them will know. We were talking during conference because, again, we use what we have. Other churches will give you seven, seven t-shirts. We give the, the ushers. Yes, yeah, seven t-shirts. Seven days or three services, seven t-shirts. Like you, you, you change every two hours or something. That's where they are. You want to compete with that? You're going to be discouraged before you start. So we were saying to our volunteers, if you have to go and wash, so if, 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 somebody, if somebody throws food on you, don't come with a mess t-shirt at night. If you have to wash, go wash. Do whatever you need to do. Pray that the sun shines. It dries irons. You iron it and you come showing up. Hey, I'm smart and I'm ready to serve you. No one will know that's what you did. But God knows. And God says, he that sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. It's like, I saw the excellence. You didn't have to iron it again. You didn't have to wash it. But because of the spirit of excellence, you're like, I will go the extra mile. And that's what we're talking about this year. We need to go the extra mile. I want to close, close with going back to the scripture. I spoke about it last week. And I, I think I'm not even going to do justice today, but I just want to touch on it again. Ezekiel chapter number 28 and verse 12. The Bible says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection. You were the standard of perfection. You were it. You were it. Full of wisdom and, and perfect in beauty. Verse 15. Go to verse 15. You were perfect in your ways until the day you were... Uh, Sorry, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till the day iniquity was found in you. Verse 18 says, You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Everybody say trading. Therefore, I brought fire from, from your midst. From your midst. Um, it devoured you and I turned you into ashes. And I, and I turned you to ashes. Sorry upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. That, that, that scripture, what I want to show you today, I'm, I'm, one day I'm going to get to unpacking it because I know there's some theological things around the scripture. But again, I want to highlight something to you. He says, you were the standard. You were the standard. You were the seal of perfection. God created you. He was not comparing you with any other angel. He, he was not measuring you against somebody else. It's like, I fearfully and wonderfully made you and you became a standard of what I want from you. No pressure. 
the way I created you. You see, there, there, there are some people that have physical disabilities that are doing way better than some people that don't have any disabilities in the, in, in the earth today. I know a few pastors that even preach and they've got disabilities and they're like, doing great. They could have easily said, no, God, I don't have this. But God said, the way you came out, fearfully and wonderfully made, you're perfect. You're the standard. If you compare yourself with somebody else, you're disqualified immediately because you're going to say, well, but you know, I don't have that. But he said, you were, you were supposed to be your own standard. And this is to sink in our hearts, church. The reason why I want this to sink is unless you are happy to be your own standard, you're already defeated when we speak about excellence. You're going to be measuring yourself with people. You're going to be constantly feeling like, I don't, I'm not good enough. This is not working. But when you are your own standard, it liberates you. And it frees you to do what God has called you to do. Then he says, the problem is iniquity. Sin came in and the enemy tricked us. We'll talk about that some other time. But I like what verse 18 says, um, where he says you defiled your sanctuaries and he speaks about this aspect of trading. And I, I want to connect that with the guys that were given talents and they needed to trade. They needed to do business with those talents. You see, excellence on one end for the king of Tyre can bring so much pride. This guy did well. The king of Tyre, when we studied the king of Tyre, at this time he was doing so well, he thought like, geez, no one can be any better than me. And God told him that um, you've lost it. And he reduced him. So on one end, excellence can puff us up and we start feeling like we are the church. No other church in Port Alfred is, is good enough. No. That's the moment we do that comparing, we're going to end up with a superior complex or inferior complex, something like that. The moment you compare, you cannot avoid superiority or inferiority. But if you don't compare at all, you just keep saying, God, I'm glad I can give you my best. So on one end, it can be a trap that you puffed up. On the other end, trading with what God has given you, if you don't do anything with it, you're falling again in another trap where he says, I'm going to take it away from you and you're going to be cast in a fire. So these extremes, we have to manage these extremes as we go for excellence. God, we, we never want to be so puffed up that we feel like we are it. But again, we don't want to uh, bury our one talent just because we don't have what the other guys have. Excellence is still required from us. So he says to them, take up a lamentation. Take up a lamentation. A lamentation is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. There has to come a time where it bothers us that we lack excellence and it must bother us enough that we will lament. We start crying out, God, forgive us. How, how is it that you are so excellent in all your ways and we just want to be mediocre and average 
and below standard. And they started crying out. He says, take up a lamentation because of this lack of excellence. Because the standard is dropped, you need to start crying out to God. God. Now, I want to challenge us this morning. I heard in the spirit, the Lord saying, take up a lamentation. In other words, I want you to be deeply concerned about the lack of excellence, if any, in your life. Maybe you are okay. That's fine. You're just saying, hey, I, I can take you to the next level. But there are some people that the standard is, you, you, you just, whatever happens now. And God says, it should bother you. It should bother you. That's not the way I designed you to do life. You used to pay attention to details in the past, but now it doesn't bother you anymore. You used to try and be a good father, but now, whatever happens, God is saying, that is, that is not the spirit that I placed in you. There has to be a spirit of excellence where you're like, I'm, I'm still going to give it a best shot. <laughs> I, I make mistakes as a father, but that, I, don't throw up, I don't throw my hands up and say, oh God, you know, you understand. No, I have to get up the next day and say, God, let me be a better father today. And keep doing it and keep doing it because that's what's going to make a difference. That's what's going to make a difference. Let's stand. It has to, it has to bother you deep inside that there may be a passionate cry like, God, I want to be excellent. Forgive me for lowering the standard, for making other people the standard, for making flimsy excuses. Forgive me for that. Forgive me. And so, Father, we come before your throne of grace, even now as we stand before you, and just ask that, Lord, you will forgive us. First as individuals and collectively as a church for not giving you the best, the very best for not serving you with all our might, for, for burying our talents, our gifts, for not utilizing the Holy Spirit that you freely gave us to be excellent in all the things that we do for you. Forgive us. Merciful God, have mercy upon us. Cause us once again to be excellent. Help us to raise the standard again. That we would not be pressured by comp comparing ourselves or competing with others, but just from within, from what you have placed within us, may we raise the standard. Let us become the best versions of us, of who you made us to be. Even as a church, forgive us where we have compared ourselves to other churches. And we have tried to compete with other churches without even knowing it. Forgive us, Lord, because you, you made us to be uniquely us. And so, Father, free us from that comparison. Free us from that competition. And release us into the spirit of excellence that we may be the best at what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.